Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Book Lounge. Today, we are talking about Deep Work by Cal Newport. Your hosts, as always, are myself, Corinne Ritchie. And me, Tom Butler-Bowden. And as you know by now, what we do each week is we take a great nonfiction book from past or present, and uh, we will dissect it and look at the main points, talk about it with our guests. Um, And as Book Insights curator, I'll give my take on the book as well and why I think it's still relevant. Yep, and I will also chime in about the book as well as give you an update on the title and the author. Um, Now, for the most in-depth knowledge, we recommend two things. One, this podcast is brought to you by Memoed, so be sure to check out. There's a savable, shareable 10-point memo on this book. You'll find a link to it in our show notes, so be sure to check that out. And two, we recommend listening to our Book Insights episode on this book. That's going to be a more detailed summary, overview, and analysis of the book, but here in the Book Lounge, it's just more of an informal chat about this book of the week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so uh, what's the, the big idea of our book of the week, Deep Work by Cal Newport, which came out in 2016? Well, it's basically a guide to how to be more productive in the digital age. Um, so we've got all the social media going on and 24-hour news cycle, etc. So it's sort of about how to draw up boundaries so that you can uh, not only cope with social media and news and everything, but be a lot more productive um, than even than your colleagues who are so sort of taken away by all this stuff. And so you can really zoom in and um, do amazing work yourself. That's right. And to discuss this important topic with us, we are bringing on a guest who is a Yale economist. He's a research analyst and entrepreneur. He's also the co-founder and design partner for two different companies. Um, And he's a reader and manages to squeeze all of this in with his dedication to deep work practices. So he knows this book and loves this book, uses this book. So perfect guest. uh, And with with what we'll be discussing today, please welcome Chuba Ezequesli. Thank you, Karen. Thanks a lot, uh, Tom. Yeah. Uh, well, Chuba, um, perhaps you could give our uh, listeners and viewers who don't know about you some sort of background and um, in terms of your diverse areas that you're involved in and, and what sort of led you to considering this book important in all of your roles. Uh, where do I start? Let's start with school. <laughs> so, um, so I started, I've been reading Carl Newport since I was in high school. Um, that is a, how to be an A, a student, something like that. Um, and, and that was such a classic for me and it really helped me because I think one thing I realized uh, at a young age was uh, super creative, but what came with that is a, an inability to be disciplined. And I needed a sense of structure to help me manage that creativity. So his book really helped me in school. So I just sort of kept track of all the books that he, he kept writing. And um, and what the other book that then came out was, uh, was um, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And... And I think that completely blew my mind because I was at the stage in my life when I was transition, when I felt like I needed to move from what I was doing. I, I was a research analyst, I was an economist, but I realized that I wasn't, I, I didn't feel fulfilled. I would wake up, wake up in the morning and it didn't feel like 
I wasn't excited to go to work. And, uh, and this was despite being really good at what I did. Uh, so I needed to really just slow down and figure out what I truly wanted to do. So so good they can ignore you was, was, was essential for me. And uh, in terms of helping me figure out, okay, I really should be in the creative space. I really should be creating and producing versus reading reports and and uh, and writing reports not that that's not good but that just wasn't it wasn't for me I, I would see other colleagues of mine wake up in the morning with a sparkle in their eyes and they, they loved doing it so um so that was it for them and then i moved over to and then reading deep work was just so good you know because what it helped me realize was that i could still manage to be all the different things that i wanted to be without necessarily sacrificing the important aspects of it. I just needed to be a lot more organized with the way I thought about how I worked. And so deep work was just so essential to, to my productivity. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, I mean, you mentioned, I guess, economics moving into design and more creative areas. Um, so, I mean, uh, I guess a, a big part of this book we can go into more deeply is the idea of discipline and setting boundaries. Uh, so, I mean, how has this book helped you in the, in the creative spheres that you're in, uh, you know, with, with discipline? Oh, it's really helped. It's really helped. So just for some more context as well, I, I'm, I'm an example of what you can call an A-B testing because I have an I have an identical twin brother who's he's also a, <laughs> yeah he's also a creative and uh, and we 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 started uh, the the character together now I spent a lot more time really focused on reading a lot of books around discipline and deep work was one of those books that I that I read right so I found that it was easier for me to manage for it's one thing to be creative. It's another thing entirely to be productive about your creativity. And I think those are two different things that people don't quite get right. So people spend time being creative, but it never leads to a result. It never leads to a product, never leads to something substantial, something people buy or something you can show. And what deep work was essential for doing was helping me really take the time to slow down and say, what is it that I want to do with this particular period of time, right? And how do I allocate the time to achieve that? And once I was able to allocate the amount of time I needed to really focus on one thing as a creative, it helped me a whole lot because that's one of the biggest issues with creatives is that we're just everywhere. You know, one minute this is exciting, next minute this is exciting, that means this is exciting. But it stops you from really honing in and focusing, right? And being present with the work that you're doing with that particular work and moving it to a place where it can be commercially viable, for example. And, and deep work was essential to that, right? Because the other aspects of it is that with creatives, creatives pretty much suck at also doing everything else apart from creating, <laughs> you know, so we're good at creating, but like when it comes to sitting down and figuring out the, whether it's the accounting or writing the, the proposals for certain things, they've struggled with it a lot. Right. And, and I think where deep work really helped me was that it helped me see that the only way I could get this things done was by 
giving it, we're sitting down with the work and really diving deep into it and giving it a lot more time, you know, where other people will give up five minutes after. I would say, you know what, I've given this, I'm giving this a couple of hours, it's going to settle, it's going to sink in and I'm going to be able to do it. So I would take my time to do it. And, and it also helped me even when I was at, at Yale as well, where the assignments are just brutal. And because the assignments were brutal, what was helpful was being able to sit down and just keep staring at my paper until I understood my notes, you know, and most people would just give up, but I would be up at 3 a.m. in the morning, walking up and down the corridor, just staring at my notes, just really going over it again and again and again, and then it would click. But if I didn't read deep work, I would think that I wasn't smart enough to get it, and I would give up five minutes after. I wouldn't realize that you just need to read, there's certain things you just really need to sit down and really marinate and before you, you can make progress with. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the A-B test. So now I want to hear about twin brother. Um, who, <laughs> is he not into the deep work? I mean, he's not, now he's into deep work because oh, we, okay. we have to do it. We have mm. to do it. But for him, he struggled a whole lot with that sense of discipline and, and really just paying attention to one thing at a time. And to be fair, also, he's, he's, he's definitely a lot more creative than I am. But that, that's exactly why he needed that structure to help him. So he struggled with it a lot, right? And then over time, because of more responsibilities, you, he had to start learning how to spend time sitting down in one thing, sitting down with his calendar and putting chunks of time and saying from this time to this time, I'm going to work on only this, right? And that helped him a lot because we, we struggled in the past where there'd be something to finish and I, I would be like, I'll check in. And he's distracted by something else. And I'm like, no, just focus on this one and finish it, you know? Um, but now he's also been through the process of learning about deep work. So he's a lot better and he's able to handle it a lot better. Yeah, so um, I, you, you mentioned chunks of time, blocks that you put aside to work. I mean, people throughout history have done that who have achieved things. I guess the difference now is that we have constant interruptions from our phones and social media and everything. And and Cal Newport famously, uh, you know, does he even have a phone or... he's he's not on social media he gets the washington post delivered a paper version gets his news from that no tv um so i mean chuba how do you personally um how do you sort of block out you know your phone notifications social media everything else and have the discipline to put all that away for a certain amount of time to do deep work uh, that's a solid question. Um, I think for one, right, there is a privilege that comes with the ability to block out time. That there's certain roles that you can that you take on that you, where you're able to do that. You know, so just to acknowledge that that's a privilege, right? But so for me, it's it's easy for me to do so because I I work as a, and and I work as a co-founder to to companies, which actually means that. People tend to call me a lot, but I think I have the option to say, hey, I, I can only take calls between this time. And if, you, if there's something urgent, just 
text me about it and by the time I'm taking a break I will respond to you so with respect to social media though man social media is always it's always for everyone because it's designed to be addictive and it's designed <laughs> to get you in it's designed to draw you in I I would love to leave social media but a lot of the work that I do also requires talking about the work and and social media is one of the easiest way to spread that because it's got network effects right but at the same time there is the balance between talking about the work and doing the work and sometimes talking about the work can get in the way of doing the work so what i usually do uh, and what i've been experimenting for years about what's going to work for me sometimes i take complete breaks off twitter twitter is the main social media i'm usually on i take complete breaks off it i mean i'm saying for months if i really have to get something super important done i will be off social media completely right none at all none of that i don't care what's happening i found that it's not really that important honestly <laughs> you don't miss much you really don't like it doesn't affect they, you like people that much. sort of overestimate how much their followers will miss them so take a break. <laughs> <laughs> people actually forget. One thing I noticed is that people forget that you exist most of the time. Like they just keep going. There's just something new for them. They're not waiting. Like, oh, what are you going to drop for us? They, they, someone else is going to fill in that time because it's like a stream. It's like a river. It keeps flowing, right? And and I found that just being able to get off it was super important for me to really figure out the very important things that I figured out, right? Um, and what that we're working on this year. Uh, now I have to do a bit of talking because now we figured out, we've, we've designed certain things that we have to talk about. So what I do now is as much as possible, I, in the morning, I, I try not to spend time on social media, like at all. Because by the time you're plugged in, your mind is, is, is tuned in there Right, no matter what, even when you're not on it, you're thinking, as someone responded to what I tweeted, as someone said something, what's going on, right? And what I found is that I leave it till evening and then I use my work time as an incentive for me and I say, okay, by the time I can do a bunch of deep work and get things done, right, before six o'clock, I have stuff to show on social media, right? And this time, that I now have for social media is for social media. So, so essentially, right, how do you become a lot more present and intentional about the time that you, leave, that you give to things, including social media? Because the, the problem with social media is that people use it to cure boredom. You know, I'm bored, so let me just see what's going on. You know, and that's not intentional because it means that anything and everything will drag your attention away. But if you're focused, and, you, and one of the things I say to myself now is, as I'm going on social media, I'm saying to myself, what is my intention for being on here now? And that helps me a whole lot because even in using my social media, it becomes productive versus just passive. And, and that's important. So I, I use it now as an incentive, right? So keeping it till evening means that I'm excited to go on social media because I'm like, ooh, I get to enjoy. It's like eating a, it's like, being, uh, what do you call it, like taking care of your weight and then having to, you get to eat a cupcake at the end of the, <laughs> at the end right. of the, the month or something. It becomes like this pleasure versus something that is just, you know, passive and not non-productive. So that's one of the ways that I found, right? Social media is one. The other thing I do is I pretty much have 
my my what my have my phone and my laptop on uh, what do you call it on do not disturb pretty much most of the time right and then when i'm taking my breaks right i that's when i check and i say okay what what notifications have come in right but also for notifications most of my notifications are off so social media notifications are completely off there's none i don't until i go into the app i i'm not seeing anything no matter how important it is right uh, so my notifications are usually off most of the time, so you can't get me until I give in the time for that. And it's the same thing too, funny enough, even with emails, because I find that some people are addicted to emails, which is, I find strange, because <laughs> I, I avoid my emails, but people apparently love to check their emails, right? And if you're able to turn off notifications for emails and tell yourself I will check at particular times I would if in the morning I will check to clear my emails and respond to people but then I'm not checking my emails till much later on in the evening for me I found that that no one usually like no one dies everyone's fine you know and <laughs> I can get my work done mm-hmm. I'm sure our social media addicted uh, listeners and viewers on YouTube want to know uh, you said nobody died, but I mean, there's got to be some adverse effect from you, you know, clocking out and checking out for long periods of time. Do you have any evidence of the horrors that have happened due to being off for certain times? <laughs> due to being off social media. I, I, I think the, the, one, the one thing that does happen is that you actually miss a lot of controversy, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> because here's what happens with social media, right? you will find that most of the times the things that get amplified are the things that are not good for you or mm. that you don't actually need to know. It's just, it's a lot of controversy, especially if you're in Nigerian Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of controversies, like, or even American Twitter, you know, because I, I'm, I'm plugged into American Twitter. It's just like, mm. this side is fighting this side and that's happening. Mm. It's just, it's so unimportant and, and it's so non-essential to your life and you find that if you spend so much time off social media you you miss those are the things that usually spike and those are the things that are usually very salient to most people but they're not important you know so social media like just dividing that time and knowing how to delineate your time teaches you to be conscious about what is salient and what is important because they're not the same thing Mm. Mm. Well, I feel like we're hearing a masterclass in the application <laughs> of this book, Deep Work, actually. That's right. I think you actually have applied everything that he is, that he is suggesting. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we should let him know. <laughs> <laughs> We'd call him, except he doesn't have a phone, so. <laughs> yeah. I love some of the sort of extreme examples in the book. Um I don't know, there's some academic called Donald Knuth and the, and the author Neil Stevenson about how difficult it is to reach some of these people. Um, you literally have to write them a letter or... And, um, yeah, I, I think they, they would lose out on a fair bit of things like marketing and um, sort of taking advantage of things that are happening in the news to advantage themselves. Um, but really, if you look at their work over a decades time span, you know, the output is incredible. Um, and I was reading um, Cal Newport's blog and he has this idea of slow productivity. And he looked at a lot of people from history like Newton and Galileo 
and notice just how long it took for them to sort of arrive at their great achievements. Um, you know, decades, and there was a plague here, and they were exiled there, and their house burnt down here. Um, so, yeah, just having a longer time frame. Um, I'm, I just wonder if you think about that at all, uh, Chuba. Mm, I just got goosebumps just listening to you say that. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I strongly, strongly resonate with that, strongly resonate with that, because I, my brother and I designed a framework called uh, a framework of intention. And, and the first step is slow down. That's the first step of the framework of intention. So for me, this resonates strongly because it's advice. And it's, it's crazy that I say this because I co-founded a venture capital firm and they usually not want for being slow, uh, slowing down. But, um, but what you find, right, is that what I've, I've found is that, is that taking time to be a lot more intentional and deliberate is super important, right? And because people tend to look for the shortcuts, they don't do things that are, you do things that are really shallow or you do things where you have to come back to it. And one of the things that we've said, that we say a lot is life, if you don't slow down, life will slow you down. You know, that's one of the things that we say. And and it's important to understand that certain things will take time and that you have to be aware of, you have to give it the time that's necessary, right? And and, and if you don't, if you don't, life will make sure that you do. <laughs> you know, and, and one of the one of the ways that we say that is um one of the analogies we use is if you're cooking in Nigeria, we have what you call jollof rice. I don't know if anyone's heard of jollof rice, but jollof rice is like this. It's cooked in stew in, in Nigeria. It's like white rice is cooked in stew. Now, one of the things that we say is that you can have your tomatoes, you can have your peppers, you can have all the things you need to cook that food, but you can't cook it in five minutes. You still need to take the, you still need to take your 45 minutes to cook it irrespective of how of whether you have all the tools or not you still need that time to cook it and so many things in life follow that same process you still need time to make it or, or another analogy that we give is using nature you can't there are certain trees that will not grow no matter how much fertilizer you put on them like they're not going to grow any faster like they, they're still going to need 20 years to be as big as they're going to be right and you just have to give things their time. If you're going to do things that endure, you have to be intentional about how much time you're giving them. So for me, I resonate with that. Like you, you, you just have to take the time to do certain things. Mm, and that yeah, means slowing down. That's right. And that's something that um, Cal Newport really touches on about the the time part of it, that uh, we expect instant results, which for a lot of work is impossible. Um, and we expect to never be bored. We expect constant <laughs> stimulation. Uh, and it's a weird kind of a concept for a productivity, a motivation type book. You know, we talk about those types of books pretty frequently. And rarely do they talk about getting used to being bored being okay with being bored, like the emotional regulation part of like accepting that there are going to be times that you are bored. And that's like a weird message from a, you know, productivity book. But 
it helps because it's better to be bored for 10 seconds than it is to take those 10 seconds and refuse to be bored and fill it with, like you said, the shallow work, the distractions, the rabbit holes of social mm-hmm. media that it turned, it went from 10 seconds of boredom to a whole hour lost. And you have no idea where it went because you've gone down the rabbit hole of, you know, something that was completely unimportant uh, and just took up all your time. So even if it's shallow work and sometimes people can get sucked into like, well, email is important, so I'm going to do that. Or this other little, you know, data entry task needs to be done as well. I'll do that now. Or, you know, all these little things that could be done quickly and easily in a compartmentalized time. Instead, break up your valuable time that you could be spending deeply concentrating, focusing, and doing work that's difficult, work that's important, and work that requires, like you said, time and concentration, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that that I I think someone tweeted about this being fine with being bored a couple of weeks ago, and, and one of the, and I, I completely agree, and, and one of the the modifications, because as designers, one of the things that we try to do as much as possible is design everything. So even words, even the things we say, how do you design them to be better, right? Because they have power in them. And one of the things that we say is like, whenever you, you it's important for people to start thinking about, like, so when, when you're in a sense of, in a state of boredom, start moving towards being in the state of being present. Because those are two different things and and what's the difference between them the the difference between them is that you're expressing gratitude within that minute boredom is almost like oh yeah there's nothing to do gratitude is i'm in this very moment i'm with myself and with my thought i'm going to stay in that i'm going to be present and dwell with that and that's a whole different energy because what that does for you right is that it gives that period of boredom a function and that function is for you to be present, which is exactly at the core of, what's, of, uh, of, what, uh, of what Carl Newport is saying. For you to do really good work, you have to be present. So take any five, 10 seconds that might seem like those might be moments of boredom and use it to be present. Use it to just take deep breaths, right? Use it to just guide your thoughts and ask yourself, hey, let me do a body check. How am I feeling? What am I thinking mentally? Where is my brain at right now? You know, and that's one of the things that had to that helped my, my twin brother actually is that he took out time to just be with his thoughts and he realized that his mind was everywhere. Like he just he could see it like visually just ping, 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 ping. And that was a turning moment for him because he said, Whoa, my mind is everywhere. I'm not present. And he had to just learn to focus on one thing for him to find that presence of mind. So that's one of the tweaks that we make is like, if you feel that you're bored all the time, start thinking about how you can be a lot more present and think about how you can sit with one thing, give gratitude for it, and then take responsibility for moving it forward. Yeah, that's a great point. And he in the book, he talks, he's got various strategies um, that people can use to become deep workers. Um, And one of them from memory is actually a very ancient thing, which is like a weekly Sabbath. So even if you can't stop yourself being online, social media during the week, try to have at least one day on the weekend 
where you force yourself not to do any of that. And as you say, it's in doing so, in that 24 hours or 36, you are forced to just be present with other people and with your own thoughts, spend time in nature, um, reflect on the week. Um, I think you do a bit of stuff to do with nature, uh, Tuba, but um, yeah, I mean, I try to practice it myself. Um, I find it incredibly powerful. Um, so reading deep work was sort of a validation of, you know, some, an experiment I've tried on myself. Yeah, Cal does a great job about uh, giving different options for how to compartmentalize. So like you said, Tom, maybe it's weekdays look a certain way and weekends look a certain way. So, uh, But for others, if you have no choice but to utilize social media for your job or uh, important emails do need to be replied to immediately because of some sense of urgency with your uh, employer or whatever. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, Chuba, maybe that's something you've experienced where if you've got a client and they've got a deadline and they need constant communication because of, you know, some urgency or whatever, um, you know, it can be hard to simultaneously do the deep work stuff that requires focus, concentration, isolation from everything, but then also having the customer service part of being constantly available and communicative. And, you know, so uh, but so Cal Newport gives four different models to choose from when it comes to how to compartmentalize. So for some employments, um, they have the ability to take a week or a month or a whole season uh, where they just do deep work and everything else can wait. Uh, but for other, you know, jobs and roles, they can't do that. And so he says, if you can't do this, like, monastic, you know, um, putting yourself away on a timeout for a good long stretch of time for deep work, then um, even if you have to ch ch chunk it into your day. So like you had said, Chuba, hours for deep work, certain amount of time for all the shallow work. Maybe it's an hour for email and communication and all of that good stuff. And then a much longer time for deep work. Um, so yeah, have you seen those different models and, um, it sounds like that's kind of your model. Have you tried any of the other models that Cal Newport talks about in terms of how to fit both into your life? Man, I've, I've, I've tried, <laughs> I've experimented in like every single different types of models. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm still always experimenting, you know, so, uh, in a couple of months ago, I tried doing the no social media during the week and then social media on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. Right. But then I found that the, the, the time was just, it was just too, there's just some certain conversations where I think I could have chimed in and, and given a, a point of view that was important that I wasn't able to, because it's like, that was last Monday. No one cares about that anymore. <laughs> you know, so I had to, it was difficult for me to, to maintain that, especially because uh, we're, we're sharing about things that are happening more in real time. So I found that then doing the switching over to the evening time was, and then I, and then I switched over also to the, one day on social media, one day not on social media, one day on social media, one day not on social media, so I could account for it, right? So that kind of worked for a bit, but there were certain days that it was more 
important to be on than not. <laughs> it was more productive to be on than not. And if he felt within the day that I wasn't meant to be on, then it just felt like, so I'm trying to look for something that felt natural, you know, not something that feels forced. Because I think ultimately at, at the core of it is whatever you're designing for yourself must feel natural. If it feels forced, you do it for like a week and then you will find that all of a sudden you're just going to drop off it, right? And then you're back to your bad behavior. So I, I found, that's why for me, the the working throughout and then waiting till evening was, was key for me because there's certain evenings I don't even check at all. Like I don't even care, right? But there's certain times I'm like, okay, I have one, two, three things to do, to tweet about, to share about. So I have to go share about this. So I go and to share about it. Um, the other thing that we've I've done a whole lot of is gardening because <laughs> spend time in nature. So I find that that what really helps me a whole lot is is when I've done a bunch of work, especially on my laptop, because we're designers, so we do a, quite a good number of work on the laptop, right? I, I balance that out by then taking time to go to the garden and then I just start doing some light pruning and you know moving things around. And I find that just that period sort of feels my, my, my zen just goes up, right? My energy level goes back up because I've, I've, uh, I've interacted with nature and nature is just so much good, rich energy. And then I can take that energy back and then continue working. So I just sort of intersperse times for gardening within, uh, within my productivity time. And that really helps a lot. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people during the pandemic discovered this, who were stuck at home, are lucky to have a garden. Um, and then, of course, the more time you can spend in wild areas, you can get away mm -hmm. for a few days. It's even more powerful and um, restorative. Um, yes, yeah, so um, uh, this is the point where we give the book that we're talking about um, a number out of five and say why. Um, <laughs> Corinne, would you like to start? Sure. So uh, one quote I want to share that I really like from this book is efforts to deepen your focus will struggle if you don't simultaneously wean your mind from a dependence on distraction. Uh, what what stands out to me about this book and why I would rate it a, a solid five is just it, I never thought about the idea of being dependent on distraction. Uh, it sounds so counterintuitive, <laughs> like, oh, you've distracted me, and yet I'm so drawn in and I'm pulled. And so I, I find this book really useful, really relatable. Um, it's it. I, I think this is one of those that anyone, especially college students, where you've got deep work that must be done, uh, as well as a bunch of little, you know, shallow work, communications and things like that. I think every college student should read this book. It's um, I wish I had read it in college. Uh, it, I'm glad that I found it later, but I think I could have really used it. So, um, yeah, I, I think Newport does a great job of making deep work sound both critical and urgent. Um, and he explains the value really well. He gives lots of concrete examples of why and how to implement deep work. Um, my only criticism of the book is just that he doesn't do a, a great job of explaining how exactly to incorporate both for those entrepreneur types, those customer service types, those, you know, those jobs that commu constant communication is part of your job. 
Um, and maybe deep work isn't. For some, you know, certain jobs, you don't need this uh, level of concentration and focus. It's more important that you are ever, ever present, ever communicative. Um, so he doesn't go into that very much. Uh, but other than that, I think it's a really, really good read. So yeah, five, five bookmarks from me. What do you think, Chuba? I, I would give it, uh, I completely, first of all, I completely agree with everything you said so far. It's, it's really been, I know, I know it helped me. And I think specifically where it really helped me was people talk about the productivity part of it, but then there's a second order level part of it, which is the more you're able to be productive in the right way, the more you're able to do good work, it means the more time you have for the rest of your life, for the people that matter in your life. And, and that's, that's the part that I think if we actually emphasize more, more people are actually going to be drawn to it. I, I think it's so key because it means that you can spend time with the people you love as opposed to spending time working, which is what I'm actually still struggling with and I'm trying to do more of. So I'd give it, I'd definitely give it a four over five. And why is the same reason that you pointed out, which is I wish the type of work people do has changed, I'd say over time. Right. And, and a lot more people are doing work that also requires communication and, Figuring out how people can, it might be that people just also can't do deep work when, when, when if that their work is that way. It might just be the case. But I think one one way I I try to balance that is, what does it look like even when you're doing say a customer service work, to be present. What does it look like to be there in that moment with whoever you're with, you're talking to. Right. And I feel like that is you going a bit deeper into the work that you're doing. And another way I think for people like that might be, what does it look like for you to spend time when you're not constantly, you're not going to be on the phone with the customer for 24, 7, 24 hours, right? What does it look like for you to be spending time reading the kind of books that help you be better at the work that you do? That I think is a way to be a lot more present and to deepen how well you do the things that you do right what does it if you're, i'm a customer service person you should be reading um you should be reading how to win friends and influence people for example right the certain books that you can read that will help you be better at that so i'd say that i'd give it a four over five just because i i wish it could i wish it was a bit more <laughs> empathetic towards people who don't have who can afford to live the kind of life uh, that that requires you taking chunks of time out uh, and, and just doing deep work. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I have much to add to, to all those comments. Um, I'll give it a five as well. Um, yeah, it's been quite influential uh, on me and he writes very well in a sort of calm, measured way, as you'd expect from someone who's not distracted. Um, <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, as well as having a day job, let's, um, remember in, that he doesn't do this all the time. Um, and yeah, probably the key, um, thing I get from the book is that precisely because we live in a world of such distraction, deep work becomes ever more valuable. So if you can do it and master it and be more present, you're naturally going to become a higher value employee or entrepreneur 
or member of your family compared to someone who is not. So amongst all the books on success and, and stuff and productivity, I'll almost be inclined to recommend this one um, just, just for that reason. Uh, so, yeah, that's my five. Yeah, that's a good point. We didn't talk at all about the work from home, uh, stay at home parent type folks who even they can incorporate these same strategies about working deeply. And as you said, Shuba, being present and, um, you know, not allowing yourself to be distracted. But that, that's a good point, it, whether it's being there for your family or being there for your employer or yourself, you're as a, you know, whatever your own personal ventures are. Um, there's just so many different ways to apply the, the deep work concepts. So yeah, that's a, that's a mm. good uh, point. And um, I think just uh, quickly that um, if you like deep work, you should also read his other book, Digital Minimalism, mm. which takes the idea of um, not being a prisoner of social media and just takes it a step further with a lot more examples and so on. That's right. And he also has a book titled A World Without Email, which was released in March of this year. Uh, Chuba, have you caught that one yet? I have it. I haven't read it yet, but ah. I have it. <laughs> yeah, yep. that one's on my list, uh, too. I'm, I'm curious to hear. So, um, yeah, Cal Newport has this other uh, concept about how to and sort of envisioning this ideal world without email and it just sort of lumping email in kind of like we did today with just one of the many distractions pulling our attention away from important work. So, um, yeah, curious about about that one. So a little update on Newport and this title. So um, Cal Newport studied computer science at MIT. Uh, he still has no social media. So don't try to tweet at him because you're not going to find him. Um, he keeps very limited working hours so that he can maximize his time with his children. Uh, he's written eight books now, mostly around productivity. And, and so these days he does share ideas for ways of reworking typical office work into ways of like maximizing productivity and minimizing distractions. So he, he is one of those um like speaker types who goes into corporate settings to help them maximize productivity. So it's a little bit about about him. Um, and just a reminder to our viewers on YouTube and our listeners to be sure to check out the 10-point memo about this book. Um, and as always, you can find us at Book Insights Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Chuba, if people are curious about you and your work and how they can connect with you, um, what is the best way? When are your hours? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Um, people can connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at ChubaEzek. So that's C-H-U-B-A-E-Z-E-K-S. So that's ChubaEzek on social media. Just send me a Twitter. I, I will respond at some point. <laughs> I will respond at some point. Perfect. And then you mentioned your design company. Um, so yes. do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, so that's Akanka, A-K-A-N-K-A. -A -A. So akanka.com. Uh, we, we're on the mission to design heaven on earth. That's our mission. <laughs> we, so if, what we do is that we work with visionaries who are building and doing things that are 
exceptional and we empower them with design so we help them come in whether it's in terms of the brand's design or also all the way down to the culture design so how do people work how do people think about the work that they do how do they communicate within the team those are the areas that we come in that's beautiful Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate all of your valuable insights on deep work and sharing about what you do and how you squeeze it all in. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was a, it was a pleasure talking to you, Karen and Tom. This is this is great. Thanks for giving us an hour of your time. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> always, always, as long as this moves the message forward. People should be more present and do more deep work and and create. That's right. And and I hope people have recognized that we've spent 45 minutes distraction-free just focusing on this present conversation. If we can do it, <laughs> anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Thank you all so much for listening and for watching on YouTube. And uh, be sure to check out our next week episode. Each week we chat about a new book of the week. So hope you'll join us again for Book Insights. So uh, thanks so much, everyone. Mm -hmm.